Hello, hello, and welcome to The Art of Being You with me, Rachel Wortman. You guys, this podcast is all about learning to be who God created you to be, embracing that person, and ultimately living your best life with Jesus. We've got a lot of great content today, so let's get to it in The Art of Being You. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. So recently, I put out a status on Facebook. I'm not a big Twitter person. Something about the limitation of having to squeeze it into a set number of characters is just too much for me. So I put out a status on Facebook about emotional intelligence, and I got a lot of feedback from you guys, both comments there and private messages, about how to raise emotionally intelligent kids. And so today's episode is really all about that. It's all about emotional intelligence, what it is, how do you develop that in your relationships and in yourself. And so I thought I would start by telling you about my introduction to emotional intelligence as a concept. Now, I was raised by a mother who was very um, big about this, but I don't think she had the term for it. I remember being in middle school, my brother and I were at a store with her and we had gotten into some sort of an argument that got heated and we were yelling at each other in the middle of this store and I don't know, you know, Dillard's or something like that. I just remember there was a clothing rack between us that was keeping me from going all hood rat on him. And my mother, with complete mortification in her eyes, just gave that look that you know knew we were going to be grounded forever. And so she uh, had, uh, you know, brought us home immediately following that. And she said, listen, you will sit here together and you will work this out. And then we're going to role play other options of scenarios that you could have done instead of what you did do. So this went on for about 45 minutes. She said, you're too big for me to spank you. But if you weren't, I would absolutely spank you as well. So I don't know what we did, but it was bad. And so she made us apologize to each other. And then for the next 30, 40 minutes, we role played different types of things we could have done to de-escalate the situation instead of escalating it into a near family brawl. I will never forget this moment because my mom was so adamant that we understand what happened inside of us that led to that explosion. And, you know, as a 12-year-old, 13-year-old kid, you don't understand why that matters. But as you grow up, that has stayed with me. And she, that was a regular thing for her as a parent. You know, she would do that from time to time. So my ability to stop and think through what was happening internally in me has created what is emotional intelligence. So fast forward several years and I just got married and our church was doing a marriage conference and they had brought in this speaker, some sort of psychologist or counselor of some sort. And so we're sitting there and he hands out a paper to everyone and he began to talk about emotional intelligence. And I had never heard of this concept before, but I was very intimately acquainted with it from how my mother had raised us. So we get this paper. It has three different columns, about 12 point or 10 point font, and it is just line by line emotions. I mean, every emotion you could think, oh, and did I mention it was front and back? So there were so many emotions on this piece of paper. I mean, stuff that I had never even heard of. Utopia, like feeling a feeling of utopia. Um, things like despair and disgust and disillusionment. And, you know, it was all alphabetical. Whew, it was crazy. So he gave this example in the couples 
for the couples to close your eyes and just drop your finger on the paper and randomly select an emotion. And then the challenge was to identify a recent time you felt that emotion. And then if you could, the first time you felt that emotion as well. And so this was an exercise to raise the emotional intelligence between you and your spouse. Now, I'm married to a man of few words. You know, he uh, doesn't like to talk about his feelings very often, most because he doesn't always know what his feelings are. It takes him a while to gather his thoughts around his feelings. Yes, he's an Enneagram 5, if you're familiar with that personality test. And so he was like, this is the worst thing I could possibly do to randomly select an emotion and then have to figure it out. But to me, it was sort of like Jeopardy or Wheel of Fortune. I'm like, let's do this. This is amazing. That's when I learned that emotional intelligence had been a strong suit for me. Thank you, mom. The ability to discern what you're feeling and know what to do with it is a skill that will only take you places in life that are good and that are on the up and up. So what I mentioned in this post that I had a few weeks ago was that when we raise our kids to be emotionally intelligent, we actually keep them from associating with people who are out to harm them because they don't feel like they connect. Why? Because they're used to connecting on an emotional level, which takes skill. So in other words, if you are worried about your child falling in with a bad crowd and, you know, getting on drugs or something like that, well, then one of the things you can do to combat that is to build their emotional intelligence because they will not enjoy spending time with someone who cannot access their own emotions. And I can tell you this from firsthand experience. This is true. When I was a kid, you know, or when I was a teenager, I should say, of course, my friends started going through a rebellious phase and, you know, my parents had sort of high profile jobs. In other words, they, they knew a lot of people in our city and growing up and, uh, I couldn't go anywhere without being spotted as my parents' kid. Now it didn't help that I look exactly like my mother and sound like her too. So everywhere I would go, somebody would say, oh, are you Rita Gurian's daughter? And I would have to say, well, yeah, I am. And so it was a protective mechanism from her. You know, I don't think she meant it this way, but it worked where anytime I was trying to do something bad, I would be found out by either someone who worked in her office being there or, you know, it would always get back to her. And I remember when my friends were kind of going through that rebellious phase and they were all getting fake IDs and they kept saying to me, hey, Rachel, you you've got to get an ID so that you can come with us. And all I could think about was that I would end up at the club with the person who worked with my mother somehow and it would get back to her. And, you know, I was not safe to be rebellious. Now, I love that. I am so thankful that God kept me on a short leash because it saved me from a lot of heartache. But as I got older, what I realized was this desire that my friends had to go out and do these things to cater to their rebellious nature, it wasn't in me. I do believe part of that was from God, but I think the other part of it was because I wanted to connect with the world in an emotional level. I wanted to understand what I was feeling, what the people around me were feeling, what their motivations were. And when push came to shove, I didn't want to forfeit that type of a relationship with the world around me for some mindless fun. What would it look like if all of us as parents raised emotionally healthy kids? 
Well, I think we would see the society as a whole take huge steps forward. So let's break it down really specifically. Did you know that IQ alone only accounts for about 20% of success in life? Did you know that? Only 20% of success in life is really related to how smart you are based on your IQ score. There's a fascinating book called Outliers by, I think it's Malcolm Gladwell or something like that. I'm terrible at remembering authors' names. Um, But it's a great book about these people who were successes and what led into their success. And there's a whole chapter about natural born geniuses and whether or not they went on to wow us with their intellect, you know, and we think that a genius person would just go on to do all these amazing things. But what they found was that if they did not have emotional intelligence, they could not achieve great success. So what does this say for you and me, you know, or the average person? Well, that says that it doesn't really matter how smart you are with calculus or algebra or, you know, physics or some of the sort of general smartness, book smart type stuff. There you go, proving my IQ for you. What matters is our ability to know ourselves. So what emotional intelligence is, here's about five different um, keys to building a good emotional intelligence. The first one is this. Knowing your emotions, that's sort of the first step, the entry point, knowing what you're feeling. The second one is managing your emotions. The third is motivating yourself. So in other words, being able to wield your emotions to bring you to make um, action in your life, Um, recognizing emotions in others, and then handling relationships. So these are sort of the five components of emotional intelligence, knowing your emotions, managing them, being able to motivate yourself, recognizing emotions in other people or what would also be called empathy, and then handling relationships. This is so, so important. Why? Because the more certain you are about your feelings, the easier it is to make a decision. The more certain you are about how you feel about something, the easier it is to act on that emotion. So going back to this paper at this marriage seminar, knowing your emotions is the first step to raising your emotional intelligence. So, you know, it's a great exercise to begin to identify when was the last time I felt perplexed and what's different about feeling perplexed versus like feeling confused They're two different things, right? Feeling confused would be sort of on the negative end. It would be, I don't know what to do. There's too many options and I can't tell what's the right one. Feeling perplexed kind of carries with it this sense of wonder. It's sometimes inquisitive. It's more a curious thing. Um, It can be confusion at times, but it's also on a positive note. So if you can tell the difference, just, just off the top of my head, between being perplexed and being confused, and you can identify a time that you felt both of those, then you are well on your way to being an emotionally intelligent person. So here's what I do with my kids. I I want them, as they are talking about life, I want them to name the emotions that they're feeling. So, you know, people always say boys don't talk as much as girls. And I don't know um, what boys those are. I know it's true for some, but in my family growing up and also in my children, the boys have a lot to say. Um, I think it's because we don't teach them how to articulate specific enough. So I told my kids from, you know, the beginning, we're going to talk about your day. 
We're going to talk about your day, not just from a, was it good or bad, but tell me, uh, like, here's a good, good example. So we're driving home from school and I would say to my kids, everybody tell me a time today when someone around you was feeling sad. So it makes them have to stop and think through what were the attitudes of the people at my lunch table today? Or I'll ask them, when was a time recently in your class when someone in your class got angry and why, why did they get angry? What am I doing here? I'm helping them identify what emotions are so that they can know their emotions. So last night, for example, at dinner, um, we were sitting and talking and I just began to ask my kids, okay, everybody go around and tell me when was the last time you felt left out? And then can you remember the first time you felt left out? Well, as it would happen, some of the examples they were giving were from that day or from the day before. Well, you know, when you guys were all playing this and I didn't want to play, but I did, I felt left out. Okay, let's talk about it. And we talked about, you know, a bunch of different emotions. When was the last time that you felt um, surprised? And so they got to say, you know, the first time I felt surprised in my life was related to a Christmas gift that they got. And then the most recent surprise, uh, my daughter said when my sister-in-law said yes, that they could go on a walk around the neighborhood. And she said, I was really surprised that she said yes. And it meant something to me. Why do we take the time to do this? Because again, I want them to know their emotions. And then the next component is managing them, managing their emotions. So what do you do when you feel that crash of emotion come over you? One of the problems that we face in life is when our emotions are out of tune with the situation at hand. So we are overreacting is a way to, you know, another way to say that our emotions are blaring in our face but the situation at hand doesn't really call for that. So we talk it through. Now, I don't want you to think that this is a daily conversation. This is maybe a weekly or bi-weekly conversation with my kids at this point. I think truth be told, if I had less kids, you know, I have four. So if I had less kids, it might be a more common thing. But these conversations, they take time and they take energy from the parent's perspective because you have to stay with your kid, helping them process what they're feeling, helping them sort through the emotions that they have and what to do with them. So when they feel enraged, for example, then we talk it through on the back end. So when you were feeling that intensity, what was going on in your mind? What can you do about it next time? How do you make sure that when you're enraged, you don't lash out and say something extremely mean? This is what it looks like to develop emotional intelligence with your kids or with, you know, between you and your spouse, man, how easy is it? If you've been married for any length of time, how easy is it to fall into ruts where you just use words like good, bad, it was all right when you talk about your day. But what does it look like if you push past that and start getting into the nuance of emotion? You know, when was like, if you, if you ask your spouse, when was the last time you felt confused about a decision that you had to make? And did you feel helpless or did you feel excited that you got to learn something new? Um, here would be another example. When was the last time that you felt like you weren't supported? Well, then you have to go, what does it feel like to be supported? Right. And so, okay. So what can I do to help you know that I'm supporting you in this life, that I'm on your team, that I'm with you or Another question would be, what am I doing that makes you feel unsupported? Is there anything I'm doing that's keeping you from feeling supported and diving into the emotions of it 
I don't know about you, but those conversations are so rich. They are so meaningful. They're so life-giving. And for some of you listening, you're probably going, wow, I could never have a conversation like that. It just wouldn't go very well. Well, start with the paper. My husband and I, when we began, we had this paper on our bedside table and we didn't have kids at the time. So every night or two, you know, every one or two nights, we'd pull out the paper and do it Russian roulette style. Just close your eyes, drop your finger. And what is the emotion? I'll be honest with you. Sometimes we had to pull out the dictionary to see what the emotion was because it was like, I don't even know what this is. But if we did know what it was, then you had to think, when was the last time I felt that way? And then even deeper, when was the first time I felt that way? For me, it was like, you know, rejection was one where I got to tell him a story of when I was a little girl with the neighborhood kids, not wanting me to play with them and and getting to look at how that had defined my life over the course of time and even how it had defined components of our marriage. And, you know, sometimes we don't think about the connections there, but as we dive into building emotional intelligence, it can actually open opportunities for that. So if you're going to be your best self, if you're going to perfect the art of what it means to be you, then you have to know what you think, what you feel, what's going on inside of you. If you don't have anyone in your life who you can have these types of conversations with, listen, I would encourage you to go do a couple sessions with a counselor because it is so healthy to be able to build this part of your life. In fact, right now, this is a great time for counseling on the earth because there's a lot of online counseling programs as well where you can talk to someone on the phone or over Skype or something on your, you know, on Zoom, on your computer, and you don't even have to leave the comfort of your home to get great counseling from someone who can help you sort through what you feel. My hope for you is that your emotional IQ would be off the charts. And the beautiful thing is that it doesn't have anything to do with how you were born. Everybody can build and develop their emotional IQ. I actually think just tying this into the Bible just for a moment, I actually think that Jesus's emotional IQ is why he was sweating blood in the Garden of Gethsemane right before he went to the cross. I mean, he was so conflicted with so many different emotions. But what's beautiful about this story is as he's saying to God, if there's any other way, could you please take this cup from me? In other words, he's saying, if there was another way for me to take away the sins of the world, I will take it. If you can come up with any other loophole, God, I'll take it. I don't want to go to the cross. And he was able to sift through his feelings, his rebellious feeling of wanting to leave and run away, his forlorn feeling of being so sad that that he was going to endure so much difficulty, his expectation of fulfilling the call on his life, his love for God, his dad, you know, in that moment, his decision, his decisiveness to be obedient, even to his own pain. I mean, there's so many different emotions happening in there. And Jesus was able to sort through them and navigate through them so that he could emerge being able to fulfill the calling that was on his life. I mean, that's amazing, right? That's incredible, his emotional intelligence to be able to do that. And listen, if Jesus needs that, 
you and I do as well. So I don't want to belabor the point anymore, but I know that a lot of you guys were interested in how to develop this in yourself. So again, get a sheet of emotions, you know, you can um, Google it and there's some great resources online you can find where people have written down a bunch of emotions, practice identifying, identifying them, you know, how do you feel in this moment? When was the last time you felt that? Uh, and then when was the first time that you felt that or a time from your childhood that you remember feeling that way and begin to grow it that way. This is how you develop a really healthy emotional IQ so that you can have great relationships in your life and also begin to have empathy for those around you. All right. So this is my challenge to you. Work on it, grow it, and uh, let me know how you're learning. Let me know if this is helpful for you. I'm curious your feedback on this one. Until next time, be blessed. So you've just listened to The Art of Being You with Rachel Wortman. I hope you enjoyed this episode of my podcast. And listen, it would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and rate or review this podcast on wherever you're listening from. Also, share it with a friend. Help me get the word out. Until next time, be blessed.